Welcome to the Architectural Alchemy Podcast, a podcast about reconnecting with nature and ourselves via architecture and design to create happy, healthy homes. I'm Elise Sorge, and I'll be your host. Join me as I take a deep dive with various experts and creatives into all things design and how we can find balance for our mind, body, spirit, and our environment via our homes and the built form. Welcome to episode two. Today my guest is Bernadette Jansen and we're going to be talking all things renovating and renovating for profit. Bernadette Jansen has been a serial renovator for over 35 years. She has built a marriage, a family, friendships and a successful business on a love of renovating. She is the director of the School of Renovating that helps women harness their flair for creating beautiful homes to replace their income in a sustainable and inspiring way. She presents for organisations such as the Sydney Home Show and is the co-author of Secrets of Property Millionaires Exposed. We had a great chat today and I'm also a former student of hers, the eternal student, I believe I am, but I've done her renovating course and I highly recommend it. She's very approachable. Unlike other courses, she's very much accessible and it's in small groups. So if you're interested, definitely check it out. So today on the podcast, we discussed the difference between flipping and renovating your own home, how to avoid overcapitalizing on either your own home or on a project, cultivating well-being in a property. We also chatted about her thoughts on how the property market may have changed given what happened with our horrendous bushfire season and the floods that followed. Just keep in mind that this was actually recorded before all of the COVID-19 pandemic really blew up. So things have obviously changed even more since then, but it's still really interesting to get her thoughts on just the change in people's way of thinking after seeing so much tragedy from the fires and the impact of climate. Bernadette also shares some tips on renovating from some bigger things, but also on simple things that we can implement quite easily and cheaply. So hang in there for that. And for anyone that is looking to renovate their property or their investment property, now is a great time. I know it probably doesn't feel like it, but you know, if you've got extra time on your hands, if you're sitting around in your house all the time, like we are in isolation at the moment, just really start to take note of the pain points in your house and what you would like to do with your renovation and and get planning, you know, Tradies are still working. We've got to keep the construction industry going. They're being responsible with the social distancing and all of the precautions that are needed to be put in place. Designers are still designing. Plans are still being drafted. So don't put those things on hold. Now is actually a great time. And I have a project that I'm working on right now, which was going to be done in stages. And the client is like, you know, we're at home right now. So I'm working from home. The tradies can be here and I can project manage the whole thing and have complete oversight. Whereas if it was done in normal circumstances, that would be done remotely and there wouldn't be as much visibility. So by all means, if you are secure in your job, then keep heading forward with those projects and keep everybody moving. I think it's a win-win for everyone. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I'll see you again at the end. Enjoy. 
So welcome to the podcast, Bernadette. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. It's such an honour to have you. Being a former student, I know exactly how much knowledge you have and I'd love to share that with the audience. So if we can just get started by if you could share a bit about your background and how you came into renovating and what it is about property that you love so much. Okay, so um, I started renovating when I was a stay-at-home mother. Really, Well, I really started long before that, but my, seriously renovating when I was a stay-at-home mum and we had four children and I always have had a passion for, you know, taking something that's pretty awful and breathing new life into it and turning it into a really beautiful home and so much so that it's been an addiction. And um, so... For quite a few years, we, Stephen, my husband and I, did projects where I was the on-site person and would sort of work out the project together, but he had a full-time job and so basically that's what I did. And it helped, it meant that I could stay at home and still be contributing something to the family, but also it just, like, you know, kept me inspired and, um, you know, you know what it's like when you're home with little children, you need some sort of challenge. And so that's where it started. But as time went on, it um, became obvious that we weren't really making enough money out of it. It It was more a labor of love. And at that point, I sort of made a bit of a switch to how I operated and became a lot more strategic. And, um, and so now, you know, I've gone from being the DIY queen to um, being very um, more a project manager in my projects. And that was a definite improvement in terms of return and in terms of not burning out. So, yeah. So as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, um, there is an incredible sense of satisfaction being able to contribute significantly to the family income and do doing something that you absolutely love doing so I think that's the source of the addiction yeah well I totally understand that two little ones myself and I'm in that position now um I did your training as I mentioned um and I haven't done any projects yet but they will come but instead I ended up leaving my job and I'm now studying building design so it's you know a different kind of path but kind of the same thing and in my future I absolutely want to be doing projects as part of that but I completely understand you know it's you want to be home with your kids and I want to have that flexibility to be home when they come home from school and take them to school but I have to have something as well that's driving me outside of that and not just being a mum yeah yeah so that's that's awesome. So yeah. just to jump straight into the flipping, which I guess is a, mm. a big part of what you do, but it's not the only part now, um, mm. but it's what attracts a lot of people. So what are the differences or the main differences between a flip house and renovating your own home? Because something that I see a lot is in different renovating groups that I follow um, is people will post questions and they're asking about their own home but they're they're asking things like well I don't want a bath in my bathroom but I'm thinking about reselling in 15 years so Mm. there's a huge difference and I think there's for me it's like well you've got to live in the moment and enjoy your space 
But you do have to be strategic as well, I imagine, depending on the circumstances. So yeah. what would you say are the key differences? Yeah. Uh, so I think the, the difference between flipping and renovating your own home is that the property needs to have broad appeal and it needs to appeal to the market that's someone that's going to be buying in your area. Yeah. Now, if, if you are renovating your own home, I would say that the key thing there is to not make really radical changes in structural elements of the property that are going to basically devalue it if you're planning to sell it in the long run. You know, just things like, um, you know, uh, you may put an extra bedroom in the home, you may reshuffle the floor plan for an extra bedroom because that's what you need because you're having another child. Yeah. Uh, but it might compromise the the living space as a um, as a renovator for profit, that would be a negative, but some stuff you just have to do because yep. that's what you need at the time. Yep. But on the whole, it's really around just making sure that the um, sort of the foundation elements of the home do have broad appeal and, you know, you're not putting, you know, red, you know, like a kitchen lasts 20 years, you don't put red, splash back in the kitchen because that's going to polarise a market. So try and be quite um, general, which it's sort of hard because you, you want to be general but you also want to have that twist and be yes. individual and unique. Yes. Yeah, I was going to jump in with that question, just, you know, not being so bland that you, you know, it's that whole thing of if you appeal to all, you appeal to none, but obviously yes. something like property you need a lot of buyers to really drum up that price. So exactly, how do you yeah. balance um, adding a bit of spice into the property without being more? Well, I think it's I think it's really sticking, looking at the home as the canvas, as the blank canvas. So, but sticking to first principles, things like things like lots of light. You know, really maximizing the light that never goes out of fashion. Yeah. You know, really. Um, yeah, so um, renovating the home to accentuate its strengths, yes. I think that it, that will, um, you know, hold you in good stead. Whether the house has a bath or it doesn't have a bath, if you're there 15 years, you're probably going to do another bathroom reno before then anyhow, so why worry about it? Yeah, yeah, do what works for you in that, in that sense. Yeah, exactly. So I guess, um, as I mentioned, I'm a student at the moment, but Part of what really attracted me to property and wanting to design homes and, and buildings, something that's been really important to me, especially the last 18 months, is health and well-being. Um, and I think when you become a parent in general, that really um, becomes a big thing. If you're not looking after yourself, you really get hammered into the ground. So what do you feel are the key elements to creating a home that supports health and well-being. And I imagine with properties that you're renovating, it's it's most likely not the top of mind thing, but there is a sense when you walk into a property, um, you get a feel about things and you might not necessarily know what that is, but how do you cultivate that and, and do you factor health and well-being into your properties at all? So um, I think that health and well-being and what people want in a home are pretty much the same thing you yes. know if, in general so basically I look at you know and it's even features in the building code like um, adequate light quiet enjoyment um, so 
no noise or minimal noise pollution, Private. ventilation. So um, I think that if you follow those principles um, in terms of uh, making sure that life, I always think about my renos that my I want my buyer to feel like they're having in a holiday every day, you know, so yeah. it, that it's calm, um, that there's a place for everything, so there's no stress about not enough storage, that the spaces are light and airy and, um, yeah, so that's probably, you know, noise, making sure that noise, um, you know, is not an issue yeah. in the homes. I just wouldn't buy a property that have a noise pollution problem. Yeah. So, you know, I think they're those fundamentals. So of course, if you're taking this to the next degree, you're going to be looking at the materials you're using and so on which generally we don't go that far yeah. um, and which is probably a shame and I think it's it's really because the market's not willing to pay for that at this point. Yeah. 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 Well, that makes perfect sense and that was actually going to be part of my next question. We're in a new decade now and 2020 has really come in with a bang and sustainability and things like that have been on the radar for a really long time and climate change but I think especially in Australia and where we are in Australia over the past few months with the fires and now we're having floods um, but to such an extreme extent it's really I feel it's becoming a part of the consciousness now a lot more and it's probably only still at the really early stages um, but I think moving forward like what are your thoughts on those changes in consciousness towards sustainability and climate change yeah. and what do you feel the market might do in terms yeah. of I I definitely think that we're about to see a big shift mm-hmm. and I'm I guess watching with interest because um you know the certainly the bushfire season this year has been an absolute wake-up call I do think um, that the general population is moving that way anyhow. And certainly in terms, it's interesting, I have a good friend who runs a business that um, retrofits homes with energy um, efficiency um, measures like uh, double glazing, uh, draft proofing, underfloor insulation, all that. And I was only talking to her yesterday and she was saying how that they're getting a, quite a few Airbnb owners wow. spending large amounts of money um, retrofitting their homes. And I thought she was like really, she rang me to find out if there's something going on that's yeah. causing this. But I think that is a, a bit of the changing of the guard that people are beginning to see that as um, value. Yeah. And so it's, it is moving towards a more sustainable model. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and even it just feels like a, I mean, perhaps a not so subtle energetic shift, but I guess that's how, you know, the wheel starts getting in motion. And I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the coming years. Um, so I guess yeah. as renovators, um, mm-hmm. and whether that's flipping or just renovating your own home, what do you feel? And I know this isn't your area of expertise, but how can we reduce our environmental impact while still remaining profitable if we're flipping homes? Because we still need to run a business at the end of the day. Actually, I do think about this and I think that the whole renovating for profit model, like 
it 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 is um if you're planning to go down this path it is advantageous Mm -hmm. to think about basically what you're throwing out because i think the renovating model is a you know a tradesperson or a builder they tend to gut you know they tend to just you know if it's not a hundred percent and um but as a renovator, that's unsustainable. You're not going to make a profit if you're going to just toss out everything that's not, you yeah. know. You've got to, um, you have to renovate to actually, you know, sometimes it's not uh, whatever it is that you're looking at is not um, salvageable, but often it is. Like things like kitchens are a really common thing. They get ripped out at, you know, on a whim and um you know as i said a kitchen has a 20-year life and if we're able to look at that and recycle it and reuse it then that's um that's definitely a plus the other thing is um waste removal is a big expense like on a project you can it's not hard to spend five thousand dollars on an apartment and so by um sorting that into um clean recyclable like the concrete yeah. the bricks and and minimizing the amount that actually goes into land for fill that that's also um making your um your business more sustainable and more profitable absolutely and even you know giving things away for free on, on exactly is surprising yeah. we um in a town our last place we were in was a townhouse and we ripped up there was um wooden floorboards in the kitchen and we ripped them up to put in a floating floor and they were they were broken and all sorts but I just put a photo on Gumtree and someone came along and took it all they just had a garage or something I was like I was not expecting that to happen but it didn't go to landfill so you just you never know it doesn't hurt to put it up for a day or so before you turn it in so yeah that's a really good point that you know to be profitable you have to be reusing things and being smart about it and yeah, um, so I guess even on, carpet, carpet's yeah. another thing that can often have more life in it than yeah, yeah for garages and things. I think a lot of people put them in there for catching oil. And so I guess what I'd like to do with with this podcast is when I consume podcasts and I love to have loads of information, probably too much information coming into me all at once, and it can be a bit overwhelming um, trying to do everything. So are there some simple tips that you can give for homeowners to increase their property value, whether they, you know, probably if they don't really have a large budget and they just want to take some kind of action, whether that's just to feel better in their space or, yeah, just to be able to move Mm. forward in some way? Well, um, I guess the probably one of the biggest value adds that we try to do in every property we go into is opening up the kitchen and living room space. just going to more of an open plan because it helps to bring more light into the area it makes the space more sort of free-flowing and comfortable I'd say that's definitely um, a a good value add and often it doesn't need to be that expensive because if you've got an you know like if it's being separated by uh, a timber frame wall in particular it's it's not a huge expense to um put in a beam and, and pull it out. Yeah. Um, landscaping, so yeah. getting your gardens looking beautiful, that's something that takes time and it's something that you can do in your family home that you wouldn't be able to do necessarily in a um, in a commercial project because you just don't have the time to grow 
your garden so that it does look mature and lush and beautiful. Yeah. And, um, yes, deciduous trees, so you're taking advantage of the warmth, you know, in the winter. And, and um, of, co- of course, also taking advantage of the northerly aspect yes. um, in your property, particularly into, if you can get the um, northerly sun into your living areas is, you know, it fulfills two um, purposes. It adds value and it also makes life that much more pleasant. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think the other big one is just making the um, the floor plan flow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rabbit warrens aren't very appealing and they're not nice to live in. No, and with, with our house now, when we bought it, there was, I mean, luckily we didn't have to do much. There was already four bedrooms, but what you were saying about some walls being simple to either take down or put up, we had two bedrooms, but there was the old external door in between them. So they were counting it as two bedrooms, but it was really one bedroom. It was really strange, but you know, luckily Matt's a carpenter, so he just had to frame it out a bit and we had two separated rooms and the same with there were some really odd walls that were just like the old sliding door was just left from the exterior of the house and why they lived like that for 20 years I don't even know how they they coped but our backyard is not facing and we just took that wall out and it's opened the face up dramatically Mm. Mm. not even I could see how much it would make a difference but people walk into the space now and you can see we've got heaps of glass out the back looking over to the you know letting in the light and you can see all the grass behind us but yeah it's amazing the difference just taking out one wall can make that's absolutely definitely recommend pulling down walls um, (laughs) with professional guidance Yeah. Well, it's funny because um, my life, my the project I just finished was in Queensland, and it beautiful old house, like um, internally really original nineteen forties build, yeah. and um, but the kitchen was the heart of the house, but it had five doorways off it, mm-hmm. and so like talk about disjointed, like it had a bathroom, a bedroom, a hallway, a living room, and the laundry all off the kitchen. And imagine trying and to just. Cook in that space with the trash going through. Yeah, I know. Was that. And so just by, so basically what we did was just extend a hallway wall, but like just with a stud wall, about two metres, and we took out the wall between the kitchen and the living. It basically put a spine down the middle of the house, so all the sleeping was on one side and the living was on the other and just made such a massive difference. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Very, yes. So there you go. Awesome. So what do you have coming up in 2020 and are there any events that we should know about that we should attend? Okay, so in 2020 I'm planning to do my first reno in Wollongong. Are you? Well, yeah. I'll have to come along for a site visit for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's um, we're looking for that now. Um, what else is coming up? I'm yes. so excited by that. I'm definitely going to keep it keeping on. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's proving a bit challenging finding a project, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's one of the main things because one thing that I this is on a well-being note. I tend to do is do too much. Yes. So I'm really trying to um, be exercise discipline and not take on too many projects. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that we have a, we also have a development that we've been sitting on for a few years and we're planning to start pressing the button on that this year and that's a, an affordable accommodation 
project. Yeah. So which I'm quite excited about. Yeah. And the third thing that's happening this year is we are planning to have our first ever She Renovates live event in November. Awesome. So really um, it's called She Renovates Live and it's really around, um, I guess, celebrating that passion for beautiful homes and, um, and I think the women's courage in harnessing that that talent for making the most of it and to take control over their lives. Does that make sense? No, I understand where you're going with that. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too that a lot of the building industry traditionally has been male-dominated, but when you think about the home, like the woman is the homemaker and, and, and it's a very, the home is a very feminine thing. So it just makes a lot of sense for women to be stepping into this and like, I don't know. I think we just have such a different perspective, and men can create beautiful things, of course. But yes. I think women really just have an intuition about the way we approach things and the way we design that is a little different. And I love seeing more women coming up in the industry and in and in building design as well. Oh, uh, look, I absolutely agree with that because I think um, women actually buy property. They may not sign the contract, yeah. but they influence. We know that statistically. They influence the decision. And I think that um, it's because we have that innate sense of what works in a home. Uh, And um, so, yes, and I think probably for many years women have been working on the sidelines, but now they're standing up and, and, you know, like yourself, you're taking control and, and, um, yeah, and you're sort of steering your life to where you want it to go. Um, so, yeah, so that's awesome. Yes. Well, I'm lucky to have a mother as a renovator as well, so that's... You are. Helpful. <laughs> <laughs> but and it's, it's... Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm thrilled with your decision to go the building design way because um, I think it's a lovely creative pursuit and, yes. yeah, and... I'm, I'm really congratulate you on what you've chosen to do and I'm excited for you and for you, um, you know, starting your own podcast. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I feel very it's, proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's so, it's really been a bit of a wild ride and, and a lot of self-development on my part and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is something that's really, really new to me but I am slowly getting used to it and putting myself out there and, and, and I'm trying to frame it that, you know, when I'm getting stressed with study, it's because my brain is stretching and creating new neural pathways. Exactly. exactly. A little bit. So, but you know, no pain, no yeah. pain. But I think, um, you, you know, when I came to your training and, and I obviously haven't been in a position to do a, a, a project yet, but it was just so inspiring to see you in action and to see everybody else fired up and to have that knowledge and and I carry that with me and I know that I can come back at any time and yeah. but I am a member of quite a few renovating things because I'm obsessed but what I mm-hmm. really love about your training is that we get to see you in person in a small group and I can chat with you and and you're approachable and I can talk with you like we are now and and I think that's so important on something so big like 
taking on flipping a property or, you know, a whole new adventure oh. of Airbnbs. Like it, that's yeah. what really makes you stand out from yeah. the rest. And you well, have thank you. such a beautiful and, motherly nature that oh. you just feel nurtured in your presence. So, well, that makes me happy because that's, that's the part of it that I love too. Because yes. often my husband says to me, why are you doing this? You would be better just doing projects. I love working with people. So, yeah, so I'm very fortunate. Great. Well, I'll link all well, your socials and your website and links to your training in the show notes. And thank you so much again for being a guest on our launch season. You're very welcome. Thank you, Elise. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Bernadette from the School of Renovating. Let me know what you learned or how it inspired you by leaving a rating and a review. If you'd like to learn more from Bernadette, you can find her at theschoolofrenovating.com. She has her own podcast, the She Renovates podcast, and there's also a free Facebook group that she has called She Renovates. You can find me on Instagram at Architectural Alchemy, where I share my work and we also explore the topics of each episode. We have more interesting and inspiring guests to come, so subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. And I'll see you next week.